Welcome to this week's edition of Record Roundtable, where we cover a band or an artist. And this week we're covering none other than Neil Young. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here with... I am Dax. Jared. And this is Tyler. And how did everybody feel about listening to Neil Young this week? That man has a heart of gold. Hey. Did he does. Uh, he doesn't have one. He's, he's searching for one. He's kind of an old man now. Mm-hmm. He is a bit of an old man now. He has been making music since the late 60s, even maybe probably earlier, probably actually no. Even earlier than that, as a, a solo artist, he's been making music since like the late 60s. He's been making music like probably the early 60s. Mm-hmm. My, my. Hey, so hey. he's an old man. That was, that was my last one. Wow. I promise. Yeah. Old man. So he started, which band did he start with? Was it was not it? Buffalo Springfield? I think it was, yeah. Yeah. There's something happening here. Yep. Yep. That's the one. Is that their only hit? I believe so. Well, his first his first band was the Squires, actually, mm. which they did have a local hit. Nothing better than a local hit. What was their local hit? It was called the Sultan. Mm. Yeah. Once he left the Squires, then he did a little did a little uh, solo folk work in the local Winnipeg clubs, and that's where he met a couple of the people that he that he uh, would be later tied to. And he did some songwriting during that time period as well. So he actually did some songwriting prior to getting in Buffalo Springfield. He actually was in a band before Buffalo Springfield in 1965. Uh, he joined a band called Mina Birds, which were fronted by Rick James. Isn't that weird? That, that is, is weird. interesting. Yeah. And then Rick James got arrested for being AWOL from the Navy. So that ended abruptly. As it would. Yeah, but Buffalo Springfield would be his first prominent group, I'm sure, you know, really, when you get down to it. I enjoyed it. I'd never really listened to Neil Young that much. He was one of the folk artists that I never really dived into, um, you know, like Bruce, obviously, uh, which he's not really folk, but he's, I mean, you know, whatever. The Bob old, Dylan, The older course. artist of the 60s and the 70s. The old guard. So yeah. The old guard of singer-songwriters. Um, I mean, really, mostly just Bob Dylan for me, but they're, they're kind of... S- they are similar, a, lo- a, a decent amount. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I liked, um, I, re- I really like Rockin' in the Free World. That's a good song. I'm glad I added that to our list of things. But I never listened to like the main big stuff like Harvest and, and those albums. So I, I liked it. I had never listened to Harvest. You never listened to Harvest? I had also never listened to Harvest. Oh, boys. Listen, when I did my big... Uh, run through albums I had listened to after the gold rush and I didn't love it enough to go and listen to more Neil Young but if I had I would have probably gone to Harvest but up until this week I'd never listened to a full album by him I'd only heard radio hits just various things I've never really looked into him but boy oh boy should I have yeah you bet you should have pal what is wrong with y'all I don't even. I don't have words right now about the, about the little the, the little bit of disappointment that I no longer have because you've now listened to it, but prior to this moment had for you. I mean, I could make you disappointed if you want me to. Do it. I didn't love this week. Just gonna say it now. Oh my! I didn't love this week. Mm. I think Harvest is a very very good album. Uh, 
but for the most part, and I think that this is my my biggest takeaway from Neil Young. I'm saying it as if the show is ending already. Well, yep. <laughs> Take off the headphones. Yep, we're done. Put here. your pants back yeah, on. Right. And... <laughs> yep. So my biggest takeaway of Neil Young, just as a general concept, is that if you like Neil Young, you like Neil Young. And if you don't like Neil Young, you don't like Neil Young. It's a very niche concept where, like, if you like one of his albums, you're going to inevitably like his other albums. If you don't like one of his albums, you're probably not going to like most of his other music. Harvest is really the only album that I found that really kind of, like, has the big hits and has a little bit more of a straightforward sound that, like, I think that could commercially succeed really well outside of somebody just, like, oh, yeah, I really like Neil Young. Like, I don't see... It's a really hard concept of someone, like, kind of falling into the right Neil Young album. I feel as though if you are... If you're a fan of his music, then you're going to probably inevitably enjoy everything you hear from him. Unless, of course, you listen to something like Trans, which is obviously not very Neil Young-like. But the the majority wise of his music you didn't like everybody knows this is nowhere it was okay i like the crazy horse edition i'm not saying that i didn't like anything from this week i'm just saying that like overall i was not as interested as i expected that i would be in the career of neil neil young it's disappointing because his career is just so like apart from even just the music itself the stylistic portion of it the guitar tone portion of it the foreboding aspects of it are just all so very interesting we did miss an opportunity to get a couple of things in there that i think would have been pretty useful for understanding his resurgence in the late 80s into early 90s which really even started with the 1979 release of rust never sleeps which that and the 79 album live rust chronicled uh, basically a tour that he did in which he played the first half of the set as an acoustic artist and the second half of the set where it's fully electric with like lots of gain and fuzz and stuff and that really influenced some of the people who would uh, come to be members of the grunge movement. He's known as the godfather of grunge. Mm. Well, um, the, his album uh, Mirrorball that came out in 95, you know who was his backing band? Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam? Mm-hmm. Yep. We didn't listen to that album because... Which one's better, Pearl Jam or Crazy Horse? Crazy Horse. He also did, had brief collaboration with Devo, so way to go, Neil. You're doing it. He Ooh. did? Yep. Please do talk more about the Devo thing, though. I'd like to hear more about that. So I, I read about it, and I couldn't locate... I'm really not happy because he recorded a version uh, of a song... That was the final song of Rust Never Sleeps called Hey Hey My My Into the Black, which is known as like a song that's really uh, like show some of these potential grunge sounds even in 79. And they did a they did a version of that with Devo and I could not find it anywhere on Spotify. And I didn't even think about YouTube because I'm dumb and was using my phone. But he also had Devo in some of his because he did some video work some some video work as uh in terms of doing his, some of his own full-length films about touring or whether it was music videos for some of his own stuff and he had devo members in some of his music videos and inside some of his other films and he just had like a very brief collaboration with them in terms of like working and i wonder how much i mean 
we did listen to trans, which is really doesn't sound, it's not a Devo sound. I mean, Devo is more of a, they're more of like a post-punk and a new wave type situation. But I wonder if maybe they didn't have just slightest influence. I mean, I know the story behind trans, but you know, maybe they had just a little bit. We should, we should talk about the story of trans. Jared, I think this is your alley. Well, I don't know the story as well. You did way more research into that part of it. So I first heard trans. I was watching like VH1 classic years ago and they put the music video for the song sample and hold on like their, um, one of their shows. And I was like, this is really weird and cool. So I put it in a, like a playlist or whatever and, and like kept that in my mind. And then when we were talking about doing Neil Young, I was like, we have to talk about trans the album because it is so bizarre. And it's funny because like, um, he has so many different like albums in terms of genres. Uh, I mean, we listen to mostly kind of the same stuff, but if you look at like his career of music, he's got an album where he does mostly rockabilly songs. Mm -hmm. He's got the grunge stuff. He's got the new wave stuff. He's got, uh, the Lenois, which is more like kind of modern Rocky kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so he's just got a lot of different things. I think most people just kind of focus in on his like 60s to like folk. mid 70s mm-hmm. folk range because that's kind of like his like really strong run of like early albums. I think what it was like six albums in a row that people like really heavily praise. It was around, it, I mean, really his first four releases were kind of like pretty heavily. The first one was kind of, you know, got okay reviews, but basically from everyone knows this is nowhere through Harvest. You know, people really, really enjoyed those. Time fades away, kind of. People saw it starting to wane, and that's when you get into the the quote-unquote ditch trilogy. So I think that the only thing we can really do is just play the so- a song from Trance to kind of give an idea of what it sounded like. I don't want you to play Sample and Hold. Play the one that's, like, more upbeat, I think we are it, in control. Yes, that one. That is that was crazy. Weird stuff. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, he used so many, like, uh, he used a uh, electric sound baffled, oh no, it says the electric sound baffled many fans, and he used a Sennhauser vocoder. Vocoder. And it's kind of, I mean, vocoder. it's crazy. What do you think about it, Tyler? I wasn't, like, super into the sounds in it, but I found it really interesting to find all of the things that sound like Neil Young in it. Because even though it's, like, the overall sound does not sound like Neil Young, there's lots of portions of it where you're just like, this sounds like Neil Young. You know what I mean? Like, the way that he, the way that he does melody and the way that he does some, uh, some certain, like, portions of the vocals just reminded me of him. I found a lot of things that still reminded me of him in it. I found a cover. I just did. Parquet Quartz covered that song. Oh, really? It's, I, it, it's probably on YouTube. I, I, I would like to just hear it. If it's not good, we'll just get rid of it. But I, I want to hear it. I, I need that because I love Parquet Quartz. It was a part of 
a uh, Amazon original. That's all we get, I think. <laughs> We've hit our preview. Yeah, I think we did. Uh, this is what um, this is what Austin Brown said in a statement. Uh, I'm a big fan of whenever an artist does something different from what they're known for. I have a similar affection for Neil Young's electronic record, record Trans. This is my favorite song of it. Cool. Hmm. That was pretty good. Kev, you want to talk about uh, why he recorded Trans the way he did? I would love to. So... The reason that Neil Young recorded trans is because he has a son, and his son has cerebral palsy. His son with cerebral palsy has difficulties with speaking outside of being able to talk with, like, a, um, like using basically electronics to, to speak. I'm not sure exactly what he uses, but you understand. So Are we Neil- talking, like, Stephen Hawking? Like that kind of, like, little box thing? Like I computer? think so, yes. I think so, yes. Interesting. Um, and so Neil Young wanted to be able to express his emotions in a similar way that he would have been able to express his emotions while speaking with his son. And so that is kind of the, the theme that he's going for across the album. And it's not very deliberately obvious from just listening to it. Cause you're like, this is just a fun electronic mess of music. But like, if you listen to the lyricism, I guess it's a little bit more densely emotional than what you would have expected from what's happening the way I musically. Heard, the way I read it, uh, he, the feeling he gets talking to his son and not really being un- able to understand him is the feeling he wanted to give people listening to it mm. of not knowing the message that's coming from it. That makes sense. That's pretty cool. That is cool. I like the story of trans far more than the album. Trans. I appreciated it a lot more after I knew that story. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. It also was the first album he had on a new label uh, in that era on Geffen Records, which eventually he had kind of negative, negative things for, and then he ended up getting sued actually by the label head. Oh yeah, from uh, was that going into this notes for you? Did you read anything about that? About this lawsuit? No, about the album this notes for you. It was what he put out on Reprise, and I'll have to look and see. Yeah, when he came back. Uh, let's see. Yeah, look, it was the last. So the last record he made for Geffen was "Landing on Water." Then his other, uh, his sixteenth album, which came out after that, was "This Notes for You," and it's basically a. Uh, some of the album is a concept centered on the commercialization, uh, commercialism of rock and roll and tours in particular, and uh, for the single "This Notes for You." He has a music video, and uh, he included a Michael Jackson lookalike whose hair catches on fire. Mm. And the video parodied corporate rock in the uh, pretensions of advertising and was uh, patterned after a series of Michelob ads that featured contemporary rock artists such as Eric Clapton, Genesis, and Steve Winwood. Hmm. So he's just, it's like a basically a protest Against the music industry and commercialization. And that was after huh. he was sued by his record label? 
Well, yes. Well, yeah, he was on a different label at that point. He had, yeah, it was after. But he, that, that video was also banned from MTV because it mentioned some of the brands that were sponsors of MTV. Yeah, I can see why that would be. I've seen the music video on uh, YouTube before because I was looking up banned videos and lo and behold, this note's for you. I mean, it's funny because that literally he's talking to the record label. He's saying this note in this song is for you and he's just talking shit. At, it's great. Well, what's funny about it, too, is that eventually later on in, in 1989, uh, MTV eventually named that video best video of the year. So quite ironic. So for everybody around, and I'll let this transition to someone's favorite track, um, what is the album that stood out the most to you from what we've listened to? Again, we mostly focused on his early work, his first like six to seven albums, and then we kind of spread out from there and listened to some things just to see what he sounded like over time. But for the most part, we're really focusing in on that early side of Neil Young. So if you're listening to this episode and you're thinking, well, why didn't they mention this album from 1994? It's because we didn't listen to anything really in that area. So I'll start with Jared. Jared, what was the album that stood out to you the most? Probably Harvest. I liked, I mean, it's got Old Man, which is probably his biggest song. Yeah. Uh, I... I really enjoyed uh, A Man Needs a Maid. I thought that song was fun. I agree. Uh, <laughs> is, old, is Old Man his biggest song? I don't know. It's up there. No, it's not. Because his biggest, his biggest song is Heart of Gold, and it's his only number one hit. Really? Hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. I feel like more people know Old Man. I sing Old Man with my friends more than I sing Heart of Gold. I'll just randomly go... Old man, look at my life. Like, why don't we go ahead? What? That's my favorite song on Harvest. Well, mm. that's my favorite song from Neil Young. Hey, very good. It's my second. Oh, it's your second favorite song from Neil Young? It's a, it's a universally enjoyed song. It's a good song to play. Let's go ahead and play some Old Man. Jared can sing it in the background while, while we listen to it. Love lost such a cost. Give me things that don't get lost. Like a coin that won't get tossed Rolling home to you Jared, continue, please. What am I continuing with? Do you have anything else you want to say about Harvest? I don't think so. I uh, I saved the song There's a World, but I can't remember why. When I was listening to it, I and mean, when I had something I wanted to bring up, I saved it as a, a liked song. And now, recording this episode, I just have a bunch of liked songs, and I can't remember why I did it. Do you want, <laughs> do you want to play a second of it to see if you remember? I think I thought that beginning sounded like something. It does sound like something. Is it uh, "Hot in Here" by yes, Nelly? Yes. Let's play that really fast. I was I was on the edge of it. You got it there before me. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's it. not though. But but it was like what I thought of, and I went back and listened, and then I saved it. I knew it was something. I found it. 
So high end. That's got to be a sample, right? <laughs> it's just some timpani and. Oh my gosh, we're dumb. <laughs> we're so dumb. This is the worst thing. I should have gone this. back and checked, and then I didn't. And now there's uh, the only other song I saved that I won't play. Uh, the song Revolution Blues from On the Beach, and see why I saved that one. All right, this is a fun game. We should start playing this. One. I like this. I think it kind of sound. I think maybe I thought it sounded like a Bob Dylan song, but I don't remember which one it was. Now I think it sounds like a, a Tom Petty song. Yeah, that's fair. Too. I don't know which one. You mean you mean you think that Tom Petty kind of sounds like Neil Young? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're welcome. Okay, very feisty we are. Did you like <laughs> um, Lenoise? Yeah, Lenoise is fun, isn't it? I really like Lenoise. When it came out around, I think it came out in 2010. Um, at that time, I was reading, um, like Rolling Stone and stuff and they like gave it a four out of five or something like that. So I found it, listened to it and I I enjoyed some songs from it at that, you know, I listened to it a a decent amount when it came out at that time. I thought it was pretty, that's why I was like, when we were picking song albums and stuff for, um, for this, I, uh. Caleb had made the list of the albums, and so I added Trans because I knew I wanted to at least talk about it. And it was at the very end of our playlist. And then Caleb's like, "Should I just put them in order and make it like where we all listen to it?" I was like, "Well, I might as well because I'm going to bring it up anyways." And then I added Lenoise too because it was like one of the ones I recognized songs from the most because it's one I'd listened to. So I thought it was a pretty good album. It's pretty good. It's an album where he gets to get loud and noisy, which he likes to do. Um. And it just kind of, it's kind of interesting because it's like you hear, I hear some tonal qualities I'm not used to hearing, even when he gets loud and noisy. Like this, it's just really heavy and he doesn't normally go there. And you like how he has, uh, for instance, we also stuck on there Hitchhiker, which is, you know, a release from his archives and, uh, Lenoise contains the track Hitchhiker. Yeah, that's true. Speaking of, um, albums in which, they they take some of the the old material as this episode comes out on this friday there's a new neil young album from 74 that's coming out so if you're listening to this and you're in, and you enjoy neil young this is us telling you go check out neil young's kind of new album it's called homegrown actually that that is an interesting album because that album was recorded uh, after he broke up with his girlfriend in the in that in seventy four, and it was meant for release in nineteen seventy five, and instead he released Tonight's the Night. So he chose not to release it, and instead to release Tonight's the Night, uh, partially because he had fought for two years. It was recorded in seventy three. Tonight's the Night was, and he had fought with the label to get that released for two years, and he finally said, "Okay, I'm going to release it." And he also said that uh, Homegrown was too personal for him uh and he felt like it was all him in there and he was kind of concerned about that so he held it back i'd be intrigued to see because i mean really the biggest releases of neil young kind of came out in that early to mid 70s range 
So having an album come out from that same range of time, even if it's in 2020, you might find that it's just as good as that era of time. So we might have one of like Neil Young's best albums that we're going to fall into here in like 2020. Like that'd be mm-hmm. very interesting to have that happen. It's uh, it's what's also interesting about it is, is that, for instance, as we, I can kind of get back into the the lineage of his discography. You know, people really, people Harvest was huge. Harvest, and which I'll go ahead and will admit that Harvest is my favorite album. Back, to, I'll, I'll answer that question you asked about which one stand out to you by saying Harvest is my favorite album, but the album that stood out to me most this week was the album on the beach. I could see you liking on the beach, honestly. It's on the beach is pretty interesting. It's kind of got a little bit of a, gro- a different groove to it, but uh, I found it to be really, really entertaining. And I had not really listened to it before. And part of the reason maybe is that, uh, you know, with, with the big release of Harvest when he came out with Time Fades Away, it was kind of uh, less of a success than Harvest. And he made a statement about how Harvest was like him being in the middle of the road. And uh, and he's time to return back to the ditches. He doesn't like being in the middle of the road. And he doesn't like dealing with the fame and all of the things that come along with it that he got from Harvest. So the next three releases, uh, Time Fades Away, On the Beach, and Tonight's the Night, are known as the Ditch Trilogy. And were not commercially successful and not particularly well received when they came out. So it's kind of funny to think about, you know, we think of his big albums in that era and uh, we got three of them that when they came out were not huge. But since then, Tonight's the Night and On the Beach have both been uh, much more heavily praised as as good albums from that period of his discography. So it'd be interesting to see a 75 release, an intended 75 release, in the midst of the quote-unquote ditch trilogy uh, and see what it might sound like and how it might, I don't know, reverberate. See, I didn't even know that it was the case that those albums were not very well received at the time. Like... I, I guess you would just assume that since sometimes you assume that since an album is very well praised today, that it's just always been well praised, but that's often not the case at all. Very true. Especially albums that are different. Like people, if you don't put out what they expect you to put out or what they want you to put out, particularly after an album like Harvest, you know, so people aren't always all about it. Dax, what about you? You're the only one who hasn't answered on a favorite album at this point in time. I've been trying to decide between After the Gold Rush and Harvest. Um, I think I'm going to say both of them. Both of them? Yeah. I don't know why I don't really love After the Gold Rush. I should. Sounds like an album that I like, but for some reason it just doesn't click with me in the same way. Like, it's a good album. It's just not... Like, it's hard for me to see it as, like, one of the best albums of all time because it just doesn't click with me the same way that it should. That's fair. I think my favorite song is on After the Gold Rush. Go on. It's After the Gold Rush. Well, I dreamed I saw the knights in armor come and saying something about a queen. There were peasants singing and drummers drumming and the split the tree there was a fanfare blowing to the sun that was floating on the breeze look at mother nature on the run in the 1970s it's such a pleasant little tune 
I like Cripple Creek Ferry on that one. That is good, too. It's a good closer. Jer, what did you think about After the Gold Rush? Did that one stand out for you? or No, no it didn't really stand out a ton. Um, it was all right. I, I mean, Harvest mostly stood out the most. After the Gold Rush was just kind of... I mean, I thought it was a good album, but it just wasn't like super um, memorable. Yeah. Nothing stuck out a ton. So... I think my favorite, if you want me to, I guess we just play sure. a favorite song, so Why I not? should wait. No, go I should ahead. Wait. You're, no, you're okay. Shouldn't I wait? If you're excited about your favorite, then tell us your favorite. I'm going to pick Rockin' in the Free World. You got the it. The electric version, not the acoustic. Oh, okay. Okay. Let me make sure that I've got the right one. The, the, uh, the first track on the album, Freedom, is Rockin' in the re- Free World, live acoustic, I believe. And then the last track on it is Rockin' the Free World. What a closing track, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like the same track twice. I also like that he covered on Broadway on that album, too. That's pretty good. By the Drifters. It was an interesting cover. I guess I thought that song was like in a musical, but it's not. It just sounds like it is. But it is about being on Broadway. Yeah, so. it was originally by the Drifters, and then it was uh, covered by George Benson, and then later covered by uh, Neil Young, among other people. Gary Newman, yeah, go ahead. Gary Newman covered it, uh, singer of the song Cars, pretty good. A bunch of other people have covered it too. Dave Clark Five, Tom Jones, we love Tom Jones. Other people. We love Tom Jones. We love Tom Jones. That's we a sw- love him. That's a sweeping statement you just made about our I'm full sorry. podcast. Well, okay. How unusual for you to say that. Dax and I love Tom Jones. I think that Caleb likes him. I think he's okay. Tyler, I will take... Uh, the initiative to say Tyler likes Tom Jones. He's all right. There we go. <laughs> all right. And on that note, I'd like I'd like to. Well, I want to mention uh, while we're on that album, he did Wrecking Ball first. Eat your heart out, Miley Cyrus. Ooh, coming at Miley hard as a wrecking ball rock. Here's rocking in the free world. It's a good 80s song. It's a good Neil Young song. It's a good rock song. You know, like he's known for folk music. It's a good song. That song is like a rocker. It goes hard. So uh, I've got a question. I think this one, pretty much everybody would probably have something to say about it, I would imagine. What do you think about uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash and then his inclusion within that super group? I think it's cool. I never really know. I know the name Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and then later Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. But I, it, like, if somebody said, "What's your favorite song by them?" I could not name one. I couldn't either. Oh come on! You couldn't name your favorite song by Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. I can, and it's a Neil Young song. You, well, you live in it. I live in it. A house. 
Ohio, Ohio. Oh, play Ohio, come on. that on the fleet foxes episode i think we i think have. we did yes yeah yes i knew i recognized that song and i was mm-hmm. like yeah i know i know this and then i was like wait a second i've heard wait this. i got a boop de boop de boop boop myself it's about uh kent, it's about kent state mm. it's a pretty good song i'm not gonna lie that's the second big uh reactionary protest song that neil young has written the previous one being of course for what it's worth which he did uh, some writing on with Buffalo Springfield. I love that song. Um, I do know a Crosby, Stills, uh, and Nash song. I lied to you, lovely listeners. Teach Your Children Well. That's a great song. It's a little fun little song. I didn't even think about that. I literally looked it up this week, too, so I don't know what the hell is happening to me. Well, we're on political type things. Uh, The song Impeach the President by Neil Young is pretty good. Do you know that one? We we didn't listen to it. It wasn't one on one of the albums we listened to, but yes, I know that one's in. It's in reference to. Well, actually, it's kind of funny because that's in reference to the Bush. And not only did he uh, write that song, and it is about George W., but he also mentioned that someone that we could potentially replace George W. with is uh, the senator from uh, Illinois, Mr. Barack Obama, prior to him even mentioning that he might even be considering the potential of of running for president. Huh. It's pretty crazy. So you're saying the Canadians rigged our election. Yeah, Neil Young, the Canadian, rigged the election. That That's it. Very close to Russia. Mm-hmm. Speaking of presidents, anybody want to take a look at this nice picture here? Oh, look at that. That is, uh, we're looking at Neil Young and Donald Trump. No, that's hands. David Crosby. Without a mustache. No, that's that's Neil Young. That's Neil Young? And that's, that's David Young. Crosby down here without oh, his mustache. Neil. This is David Crosby subtweeting Neil Young. Yeah. Because that's what old people do. Uh, Donald, they subtweet each other. Donald Trump used uh, one of Neil Young's songs. I can't remember. Probably Rockin'. I, I think it was for a campaign song. Neil Young was not happy at all. Yeah. Does not like the man. No. Why is he shaking his hand? Donald Trump was a big fan of his. He went to several concerts. He talks about him a lot. Oh, the irony of such things. Jared, who does David Crosby look like? He looks like Gallagher. He looks like Gallagher. Yes, he does. Yes, he does look like Gallagher. (laughs) This quote down here says, I'm a bozo man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. David Crosby, everybody. look Look up a nice picture of David Crosby and see how it makes you feel. Oh my! He, they have also uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. They got a song called "Almost Cut My Hair." How Someone should that? have probably almost cut his hair. Yeah, like how how long it is. You know, it's uh, speaking of now. We've mentioned all of the uh, all of his known groups, and uh, the trajectory of him, his career is kind of odd. I mean, once we get out of some songwriting and he joins Buffalo Springfield, you know, he's only in Buffalo Springfield for two years. 
Then he goes solo for one year. Then he comes into Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young for one year. And then he goes back solo again. And it's just kind of like he's in and out of this stuff all the time. And eventually does later collaborations outside of just being, you know, in and uh, in and out of groups on their own. But it's kind of weird to think that from his debut, uh, the self-titled release, and everybody knows this is nowhere, is prior to Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. And then after the Gold Rush and Harvest is after Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. And it's just kind of like... What, like what's happening, man? You know, it's like right smack dab in the middle of those, like his his prominence of those four albums. He's doing some other side thing that's also kind of blowing up at that time. It's just wild, man. Man had his hands in lots of things, and in fact, I was also he is, and I was reading as well that uh, he had an album come out every year until 1984. That was the first year a new Neil Al- Neil Young album had not come out. Ever since nineteen since nineteen sixty nine, what was so he, like? What was he doing? So like nine hundred BCE until that point in time. Yes, there are infinity Neil Young albums minus nineteen eighty four until you get, something happened in nineteen eighty four where the universe just spit him out. Are you gonna play that song about the president? There. According to the CTV website, that album, uh, Living With War, it's the 27th record that came out in 2006, it's a musical critique of U.S. President George W. Bush and his conduct of the war in Iraq. And it also says that uh, it is considered, a young, young called it, a male folk protest music. That's pretty great right there. Hmm. What a thing. That's quite the thing indeed. Should listen to that one. You got too many things. He covered America the Beautiful. Last track on the album. Uh, you know, there was a tribute album to Neil Young that included some pr- pretty prominent artists in, in which he may have influenced from the the late 80s on, including Sonic Youth, Dinosaur Jr., Pixies, Soul Asylum, and Nick Cave, even. That sounds like quite the list of artists. Isn't that wild? You can't find it on... The Bridge? The Bridge. It's called The Bridge. Yep, it's called The Bridge. Have you listened to it before, Tyler? I've only listened to the Pixie song. I tried to find the Nick Cave song. It's not on Spotify. And uh, like I told you earlier, I was on my phone and, and did not consider YouTube. But I listened to the Pixie song, and I like it. How could I not? I couldn't imagine a world where you didn't like a Pixie song. The Flaming Lips covered after the Gold Rush. Oh, nice. Yes. How they- about that? I've always thought that they sound very similar mm-hmm. to Neil Vocally. Mm-hmm. It's like like he's almost doing an impression, but mm-hmm. not a very good one. Mm. I know how much Tyler hates him. What do you guys think of uh, Old Young's voice? Old, old Young. Old Young. 
I think his voice is interesting. It's distinctive for it sure. It is distinctive, and for it sure. has not really changed that much. Like um, Bob Dylan's voice, for instance, has changed a decent amount over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, a lot really on like the new stuff compared to what he was before. But Bruce's voice has not really changed a ton. Um, you know, most other people haven't, but I mean, Neil Young's voice is basically you know kind of been around the same kind of vocal sound. So. I like his. I like it. I like his songwriting. Sometimes it's a little bit strenuous, a little, you know. But I wouldn't. I don't know. I I, I don't think I would want to listen to that. I mean, I, I guess I already did. But I wouldn't want to listen to Neil Young for a week strict. Oh, yeah. What oh, do you no. think, Tyler? What do you think of his voice? Way to go! I like his voice. I think it's. I find it to be pretty fitting. I mean, you know, if most folk singers. They've got to have an interesting voice, you know what I mean, to kind of carry through the rest of it. And his works, it's different than Dylan. It's still kind of like, you know, of the higher register and a little bit nasally. But uh, I think it fits really well. I mean, you know, you have the voice, you write music that fits with your voice. What can you do? The man's pretty good at doing that. So, but I think it's, I like it as well. I like his voice. And I think it's interesting. And I think it fits a lot of the, uh, the the tones that he uses. Do you think the comparison to Bruce Springsteen is fair? Yeah, I think. Well, yeah, I don't. I wouldn't say that it's not fair by any means. I mean, I think. Uh, but I think that's a comparison that you. I think you can compare Dylan to him to Springsteen. Like, there's lots of similarities in terms of not only being a songwriter who is like Neil Young, even though he's Can- he was Canadian. And by the way, he. I think if I remember correctly, he didn't get his U.S dual citizenship until april of this year so he was just living in california as a a canadian citizen with a a u.s green card but uh even so like his when you really think about like neil young's music it's american music much more than it is canadian music if you will you know so dylan and neil young and springsteen all these people are people who have like really contributed to american music in terms of because even springsteen is even Heartland Rock is like in a way folk music. You know what I mean? When you when you get down to it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that for sure. So that and the content, like you know, the content of hey, this like you've got lots of political and social social content that's really important as well. So I don't think that I think that comparison is totally valid. It is interesting because really, I, I think you're right that Neil Young does feel like like his music feels very based out of America. Like rocking in the free world is not a song that comes from, like someone from Winnipeg in, in your mind, you know. Like it doesn't seem to make sense because I was just wondering, like, if you had to have like the singer songwriter Mount Rushmore, I feel like Neil Young would often be on that, like on that plane. You know, he's he's mm-hmm. in that conversation in a lot of ways. And you name you went Bob Dylan, Bruce Springsteen, Neil Young, and I was like, well, there's three of the four names right there. Like those are those are kind of like well, the three. I mean, that's like modern, though. I mean, like you'd probably, I'm sure uh, Dax would say Pete Seeger would probably have to mm-hmm. be on there. And then you have, you know, like I mean, like the people that set this. I mean, Bob Dylan is accused of, and probably rightfully so, unfortunately, stealing a lot of things from old music. So he, he kind of took influence of that stuff and made it his own. But not everybody went and looked for that credit. Right. And it's not probably his fault fully for not, you know, like. That's what folk music is, really. Yeah. So it's like, 
hey, this, you know, like this is taken from this. This is taken from this. Like I, I have had so many times where I'm listening to a song, like an old, a folk song. Like even this week, I thought that kind of sounds like Green Green Grass of Home. And it's like, why, why do I always think this? But it's like just the way songs sound, the way that they, you know, were made, they just kind of, hey, this kind of sounds like this thing. It really proves my point of all songs are the same song. Mm. Yeah. Okay. He, will, he will die on that rock. He yes, will I die will. in the free world. He's going to die right on it. You know, speaking of rocking in the free world, that's like Neil Young's Born in the USA, you know? I agree with that. It is. Yeah, I mean, it, and he had kind of fallen off uh, the kind of popular music train uh, for like the decade is what I read from before the freedom came out. Like that song put him back into um, the conversation of being relevant. And it kind of that, that time period for a lot of musicians during the eighties was not good. Uh, Bob Dylan had a bit of a tough time in the eighties. Bruce really made his own in the eighties in popular music, but a lot of people criticized born in the USA. Uh, I mean, we discussed, discussed this already, but I mean, like Neil Young had the same hardships. I mean, even a band like I mean, we just we covered ZZ Top for a good band, bad band, and they took synth sound of the '80s and were kind of criticized for that as well. I mean, they had some of their biggest hits with it, but to go from southern rock blues sound into synth rock, it's like if you really like that band traditionally, you're like, this is uh, not what I like here. The sound changed. Yeah, it definitely brought him back. And just the tonality of that album as well. That's an album that has lots of feedback and, and distortion and is like a little bit heavier and kind of is reminiscent of uh, what I mentioned earlier of what was on Rust Never Sleeps. And so that that sound brought him kind of back into prominence. And what's really interesting is is that he came out with an album in 1990 called Ragged Glory. And for the tour of that album, he toured with Social D, which is kind of wild. Social Distortion, for those of you who aren't familiar with it. Oh, my. That's pretty cool. They opened for him? Or they're his backing band? They opened for him. He toured with Social Distortion and, and Sonic Youth. He toured with with both of them for that tour. And a lot. And some people kind of got on him uh, about touring. With, like all of, Some of his early fans of his early work were like not happy about about that. But it just shows like the the influence he had in terms of like sound and tone. For those for those bands, the fact that he could tour an album, like I mean, obviously when he toured, I'm sure he played many things from Freedom as well on that tour, and he could tour those albums and like fit in with Social Distortion and Sonic Youth. It's kind of crazy to think that it's even a possibility. Uh, one little interesting tidbit, actually, it's kind of funny. He had two live albums come out of that tour. One was called Weld, which I believe was just a standard uh, live album documenting the tour, but the second one was called Arc, which. Uh, it's really interesting is that Thurston Moore had pushed him to to uh, release that. And it's basically a 35-minute collage of feedback and distortion all spliced together from that tour. Yeah. And Thurston Moore's like, dude, you should put this out. And he did. Because I guess a lot of that sound was kind of influential to, to Thurston Moore when he was you know, coming up with the tonality for Sonic Youth. Tyler, what's your favorite Neil Young song? My favorite Neil Young song is Down by the River. I 
haven't talked a whole lot about Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere, but that song and Cowgirl in the Sand in particular have some really, really good like improvisational guitar like throughout those two tracks from Crazy Horse and Neil Young. Yeah, it's kind of funny because on that song and and as you mentioned on Cowgirl in the Sand, it's almost like Neil Young and Crazy Horse just turned into a jam band for a little bit. For sure. But it's really, I think I really like what they do because they're still retaining some of that like uh, kind of like country-esque, folk rock-esque like vibes while they do it. So it's not just like full out like, you know, fish or something like that. It's like really stays true to the stylistic qualities that are New Young and Crazy Horse, but he just gets in there and really lays into it. I think it's pretty fun. I, I like those two songs in particular off of that album. I think those are the two songs that really stood out to me the most. And luckily they took off, you know, they took up the majority of the time of the album because they're so long. I got one from Patreon. Uh, patron David uh, suggested we check out Two Neil Youngs on a Tree Stump, Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yeah, I do enjoy Jimmy Fallon's uh, impression of, mm-hmm. of, of Neil Young. I, I find it very funny. Jimmy Fallon did the old man thing and that I like how he uh, would have Neil Young come out as Jimmy Fallon doing it. So like it'd be Jimmy Fallon doing his impression of Neil Young and then out comes Neil Young. So that's pretty good. Go ahead and play that thing. Ladies and gentlemen, two Neil Youngs on a tree stump. That's pretty good. So he's done that a few different times on his show. He did uh, a cover of Fancy with Crosby, Stills, and Nash, which is crazy. <laughs> he did uh, Neil Young performing the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme song, which is good. My favorite by far is Bruce Springsteen and Neil Young doing Whip My Hair. I believe we did that Willow on- Smith. I believe we did that on the Bruce Springsteen episode. We did play that for I'm real? Sure, yes. Oh, my gosh. Irrelevant to two Neil Youngs on a tree stump, he also did two James Taylors on a seesaw. Oh, that's pretty good. Oh my gosh, we'll do James Taylor someday. <laughs> well, you know, I like I love me some James Taylor. I'll have to admit. And speaking of some James Taylor, this leads kind of right into my little uh, my little tiddly bit I got for you. Did you know that Neil Young has been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice? For what for what purposes? It would be Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, and then solo, right? 
Nope. He actually was first inducted in 1995 for his solo career, inducted by Eddie Vedder. Oh, okay. All right. Pretty cool. And then the same year that Crosby, Stills, and Nash without Young was inducted, 1997, he was inducted with Buffalo Springfield. Huh. Buffalo Springfield being inducted by Tom Petty and Crosby, Stills, and Nash being inducted by James Taylor. You know what would have been great? Is if Neil Young had inducted Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Oh, that would have been cool. I didn't get it this time, but these guys did. (laughs) Oh, my. You know what I found uh, interesting? The song, Don't Let It Bring You Down, which uh, I don't know. It won't show me what album that's on. Anybody know? After the Gold Rush, which came out in 1970. He said at the beginning of the song, Old Man Lying by the Side of the Road. With the lorries rolling by. He he mentioned Old Man before he even sang Old Man. The if song. I remember right, he mentions the Old Man on a song on Harvest Moon as well. He does. He yeah. loves Old Man. You know who the Old Man is? Were you aware of who the Old Man is? Who's the Old Man? Is, is it, it his dad? No, Neil Young. So Neil Young purchased, after his stint with Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, he purchased his this ranch that he owned out there in Northern California. And when he purchased the ranch, there was an old man who was a caretaker on the ranch, and he just kept him on as a staff member. And that's who the old man in the song is, is this old man caretaker. Every man needs a maid. That's about his girlfriend, but even so. Huh. That's interesting. A caretaker at his ranch. He's the old man in all these songs. Yep, he's the old man. These lyrics get spread around. They get spread around quite a bit. Old man, look at my life. I'm I mean, that's a that's a folk thing too, you know. Old men? No, just like uh, mentioning characters and songs and and words and other songs for the purpose of, oh, I remember that from that and that. Yeah. You know, like connecting the dots of music. That makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, I I like this week. I thought it was pretty good. I'm glad you selected it, Tyler. He made the selection. And uh, it was good. The Lord said it was good. Old man said it was good. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Record Roundtable. This week we were talking about Neil Young. You might be wondering what's next week. That's right. Stevie Wonder. But you didn't see that coming. Check out our social media. Check out our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram, so on and so forth. Check out patreon.com slash record roundtable if you would like to support us. Thank you for listening, and goodbye. That was awful. (laughs) Was it? That was awful.